reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And you can thank me, because I was going to do a screaming intro, like back in the day. Um, maybe I'll post that clip tomorrow. Uh, we got ourselves a mailbag pod. And you know what? For some reason, I'm like rejuvenated, despite the fact that the Giants season is over and all the reporters are complaining, in seven more weeks, how are we going to cover the... I don't know. Like, I did the film review today. I was excited doing it. I'm excited for this mailbag pod. And you know what? The Giants cannot stop. They cannot keep me down. I'm excited to talk Giants football. Justin, how are you? You know what's crazy, man? I had a very similar moment this week where I was like, you know what? I've bitched and moaned about how things are terrible. I've complained about how, you know, six quarters into the season, I kind of knew it was low-key over. I've done all that. There's still seven, and the reason, probably why the reason why I kind of maybe had this realization of myself, similar to you, it's because, yeah, man, there are seven weeks left, and if I'm going to be mad and angry, that's not going to be like a fun product, so we know it's over, we know the tank is on, uh, we know hopefully it will pay off in April and, and, and May with hopefully a franchise quarterback and a, and a top three pick, hopefully it all pays off with it. Let's get through it. Let's put a smile on our face. There's still four home games. Come out to Giants home games. Hopefully the Giants ticket prices go down, even though Bobby told me they're not. Um, you see Geek promo code Giants. And let's uh let's not win some games, but let's uh let's have a good time while we're watching these games. Let's try. Let's win some memories. I had a moment today. It's not about the moment. It's, it's about, about the memory. memory. Mr. Chicken uh had like a tweet saying, like, get that politics shit off my timeline. And I was like, man. Too bad it's not an election year because we could just run for president again. It's true. That's that's the candle back there. The candle. Bobby Skinner, Justin Panic moving. It would be over American now downfield. though, right? Like the election would be over, but maybe anyways. Um we maybe just missed we, an election cycle. Well, I'm saying the, that we're running for president. We're not oh, doing all this bullshit. No local bullshit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even though I have thought, like, what if I just run for mayor of Melbourne, Florida as a joke one day? All right, Justin, this ep- anyways. Um I didn't do a yelling, but we talked about other things. This episode, before we get into this mailbag, is brought to you by some special people. Vincent Toscano. Pizza people. And then just Mito. Mito. It ain't you. It's Mito. It's Mito. Who these people is, though? Who these people is, though? Patreon.com slash Talk Giants. Shows month plus some other tiers. We got some wonderful perks. You can hang out with us live while we record the shows. Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers in the mail, plus... There's some shirt raffles a couple times a month. Patreon.com slash Talk of Giants. Thanks to our patrons, Bobby Skinner. Um, Do you want to give like a third? We talked about it with our Patreon members. Maybe we can give a little, maybe a little soundbite, a little clip it. Ken Dorsey was fired from the Buffalo Bills. Any chance he winds up on the Giants? Possibly. Um, My calf would have to leave for Northwestern. Which people are starting to float my conspiracy theory about that. Um, so you're you're confident that Ken Dorsey will get an offensive coordinator job somewhere else. Like he he wouldn't absolutely. be like Dorsey will be, be an OC somewhere. He wouldn't be like a Freddie Kitchens, maybe like a, a, a like an advisor or whatever. Even even if Shea Tierney leaves and you know QB coach or anything like that, he'll be an offensive coordinator. I'm pretty confident of that. All right, take it away, Steve. Mail time. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. Let's get into the mail. Dylan, 
Peculio at Dylan Pack 101. Is there a chance that the team elects to stick with Tommy DeVito or at least prolong the return of Tyrod Taylor because they understand we are in a tank? Absolutely not, right? Like, the first game that Tyrod is eligible back is the Packers game, right? And then you have the Packers, Saints, Eagles, Rams, Eagles. I know we don't want the Giants to win games, but we talk about, like, the locker room and stuff. You 100% have to start your best players, right? And there's no debate of, like, Tyrod Taylor versus any of these other guys. It'd be maybe the biggest drastic drop-off between, besides, like, Andrew Thomas to his backup. Uh, you can, you just can't have guys go out there. You're going to tell them you're trying to win, right? Even though and, – and the coaching staff is trying to win. Yeah, they're all the trying to win. Their players are not going to. That would – you would lose – you can really sever the locker room that way. There's guys who love Tyrod Taylor on that team. We don't need to spend a ton of time on this question, but there's a 100% without a doubt you have to start Tyrod Taylor. And this is why, even though I'm officially in on a tank for the first time, I also am not going to cry if the Giants do win two more games for the rest of the year, right? Like, that is not under control. Teams play to win games. Again, if it's the last game of the season, second half, Eagles situation, maybe that. But again, people always point to that. Doug Peterson lost his job because of that. Doug Peterson was not going to lose lose the Eagles' job, and that had real issues within the locker room. Yeah, and they've decided that it was, um, you know, like better off to part ways. So, yeah, Tyrod Taylor, when he comes back, will be the starter, and he absolutely should be. And you are looking at this like Madden if you think uh, he shouldn't be. And the Giants will look better, and this is part of my point that I was fumbling and bumbling on the our post game pod, uh, you know, a couple days ago. Like, the Giants will look better, and they may win a game. And if that's what people want, like, I think the Giants, they may end the year on somewhat of a more positive note because the offense will look better. They will still be a bottom three offense because even with Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor, that's what they were. But I think they will end the season looking better. And even if and even if this question, Bobby, even if this question is asking – like, do you make a change of quarterback before Tyrod Taylor comes back and he's eligible to come back for that Packers game? I, I unless Tommy DeVito looks like worse, somehow worse, or continues to regress against the Commanders this week, which the Commanders' defense is certainly not the Cowboys' defense that we played this past week. Um, then I think it's it, it is the Tommy DeVito show until Tyrod Taylor comes back. If, if so, if the coaching staff, like if the front office, they're quietly tanking, right? Not to the team, you can get away with starting DeVito over Barkley, even though I think Barkley is a better option, right? right? You, you can get, get away, away with, with it. You, you can't, can't get, get away, away with, with it over time. Yeah. yeah. You're just not even close. Like that's, that's, that is, you know, to kind of quote Joe Judge, that's disrespectful to the players that you asked to come out and show up at OTAs and training camp. And you cannot do that. Right, like Judge was right about that. That's dis- that's disrespectful to the players, um, and that is stuff where hey, it may get you the the great pick at the end of the year. It will it can cause you to have issues down the line uh, for this GM and, and head coach. So yeah, you don't need to spend ton of time on this, but you yeah. have to start Tyrod when he comes back. Tyrod Taylor, if he comes back, the Green Bay game. How many games are left at that point? Four, five. five? So you have again, you have the Packers, uh, Saints. Eagles, Rams, Eagles, right? At knowing, best, they would go two and three in that stretch. And knowing um, Tyrod Taylor, I could very much see, oh, Tyrod's going to come back. Maybe the offense starts to look good. Maybe the Giants win a game. I could very much see Tyrod being back for the Green Bay game. And then, I mean, this is I'm not saying I hope this happens. This is the furthest thing. I'm not, I don't hope anybody gets hurt. Um, but I could very much see Tyrod Taylor's career arc going, all right, we're back for the Packers game. And then next week against the Saints, all right, Tommy DeVito's back in, just because that's how Tyrod Taylor's career goes. He's basically got injured in every like three game stretch he's had yeah. since Buffalo. And then we're coming on a post game pod, and we're just saying, "Of course, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. how that goes." Yeah. All right. Next question. Next question is coming from MIG fan in Charlotte. Research Rick. What do you make of Wink going for more than six minutes about Xavier McKinney's comments after the Raiders game? I'm gonna rephrase this question too, because I honestly think. I I don't think it's what we think because I 
I kind of like it. I kind of like Xavier McKinney being held accountable a little bit. I think the more important question is, what does Brian Dable think about it? Because how Brian Dable handled that situation, Xavier McKinney postgame comments after the Raiders, is very different than how Wink Martindale handled it. Yeah, there's different angles to this, right? So Wink obviously had that, not six minutes where he just started talking, but he answered every question about uh, McKinney, honestly, and they kept on praying because why wouldn't they? Um you know, he said he's hurt and that it hurts the team to do what he did. And not only that, though, he made Xavier McKinney look like a fool because McKinney was being a fool, right? He said, like, when I first saw it, I'm like, what is he talking about? You know, I talked to other players and they didn't agree. And the thing that really made him look really just dumb is when he asked him what it was about, said it really took him a while to come up with what it was and it ended up being a disagreement on a coverage that we ran one time in the game, basically saying – McKinney's just talking shit and it doesn't and he's and he's being dumb and it makes no sense. Here's where it could be good and you could like it. That you embarrassed a player who's shown a trend of trying to point the finger at everyone else. And you nip that in the bud and say, We're not doing this anymore, and we're embarrassing you, right? But the flip side is you basically did to X what you just complained that he did, and you aired it out and you kind of made yourself the victim in it. And now he was 100 percent right. And what he was saying, unlike McKinney, but he did spend six minutes on it when he could have very clearly said, yeah, it, it bothered me a lot, but we took care of it. We handled it in-house and we are moving on. He could have easily done that. But part of me thinks sometimes you do coach through the media and I, I'm like 95% of protecting the players. But if there was a mindset of like, hey, we're going to nip this in the butt and I'm going to come out and I'm going to be real and honest and I'm going to embarrass you, that could be good. Like coaches have, Parcells did shit like that. Um but so I don't think it's like a, a locker room chattering thing, but like if there's any other type of issue, the media is going to go. And if if Wink does it again, again, another player or something over like the some whatever, it could cause an issue because Brian Dable would never do that to any player. Again. Right. And again, he didn't do it with McKinney. And so maybe this is a way of singling out McKinney. But I don't. I don't think that was like a pre-plan between Brian Dable and Wink Martindale. Like we're gonna we're gonna do this, right? I think no, this it clearly is... wasn't because he had Brian Dable respond to it early in the week, where it's like it's handled, it's in house, everything. You know, Brian sweep sweep it under the rug, Dable. I mean, that might as well that that's might as well be his middle name. And then you have uh, Wink Martindale bring it up later in the week. You know, when do they have those those uh, coordinator pressers? Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Thursday. Thursday. So then Thursday, it's brought up. And then Dable's asked about it again on on Friday when when he speaks, and then Dable's like, "I'm not addressing it anymore because it was already addressed, and everything that I said is, is still true, and blah blah. It, it's it's all handled." So then Dable was asked about it again. Listen, <laughs> at the end of the day, like I don't think, I don't think that the like the way that Wink Martindale handled the Xavier McKinney situation in the media is going to dictate the future of Wink Martindale's and Brian Dable's relationship. I think of whatever the nature of if if there was a bad natured conversation that stemmed on the field like we saw on the broadcast heading into the second half um, of the of the Cowboys game, if that conversation is is bad in nature and if it's hostile in nature, which I don't really I don't know if it was or not, I think that's more important. And you know whether you agree on game plan, whether you agree on strategy and scheme, I think that's more important than how you handled this one player in the media. That I think most people would say, yeah, he kind of Xavier McKinney kind of deserves to be called out a little bit. So I don't think that's gonna. Fr- I don't think that's gonna be the thing that fractures the relationship between Brian Dable and Wink Martindale. No, and that's why I see the positive sides of doing that because it's it's a trend, right? It's not being. It's not like he's not doing it to Dex. Yeah, right. You 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 had to like you had to deal with McKinney. Now they did it privately, and then Wink did it publicly as well embarrassed McKinney McKinney didn't talk after the game and I, I don't blame him for that um I think he I think so hopefully McKinney learned his lesson in this and can take these last seven games to try and buy in and be a part of this team and be a part of the future right because we had the conversation last week of is he a part of the future like I, I would like him to be because I think you can keep him at a reasonable deal so um but yeah it would be interesting to see get Dable's true thoughts on on how that how wink did that or if he was surprised by it it'd be nice to get dable's true thoughts on a lot of things but we're not we're inevitably not going to do that so that's tough 
Never ever. We have another Wink Martindale question. It's coming from Tim Coffey. I haven't heard from Tim in a while. I think Tim Tim's done. Tim's out on the Giants. But I, I love that he asked this question. Does Wink need to be more three-dimensional in his play calling? He can call a great game against some shitty offenses, but good ones seem to know exactly what to do against him. Bobby, have you found, besides some besides the Cowboys and the Eagles and our, and our NFC East opponents, have you found that good offenses have just had their way with Wink Martindale? I think back to the, the, the Lions last year, but... I thought the Ravens game plan was pretty good, and that was against a good offensive line. The Packers offense was okay last year, but they still had Aaron Rodgers early in the year. Uh, are you necessarily finding that Wink Martindale faces really good offenses, and then this defense automatically becomes not good? Not, I mean, I know the Bills just fired their offensive coordinator, but they had a good game versus them. I, I do think it's a lot of personnel stuff, right? Like, you know, you, they definitely played a ton of man versus the Cowboys, but they also, like, had the most diverse coverage uses they use all year. And maybe part of that is because they were on the field for 77 damn plays. <laughs> so, person like, with the door A out, right, like, your cornerbacks are getting cooked in man coverage, right? So, they're getting into zones. But when you're facing a QB like Dak versus those zones, he's going to pick you apart because he's going to have time to throw. Because right now, without Leonard Williams, Dex is really your only pass rush. Kayvon got shut out of that game when he was in. Aziz uh, was only in for... A handful 17. of snaps. Yeah. And then it's like, it's not like it's just Dex is your best pass rusher by a wide margin. It's like Dex is your best pass rusher. Kayvon's your second best. And then everyone else is just not NFL pass rushers, whether it's Nacho, DJ Davidson, Jihad Ward. Ashawn Robinson can have a rep or two here, but he's not really like someone who's going to finish pass rush plays. So it's like right now, without a Dore, with, with Leonard Williams gone and Kayvon playing hot and cold, it leaves them vulnerable. I, I went back to even thinking about Patrick Graham, as crazy as that sounds. Patrick Graham would have some really good game plans against some really good offenses. And where I think that stems from is Patrick Graham's defense was very much about you got to be patient and you got to just pick your poison as off and an offense where you're not going to be able to throw the ball deep down the field. We're going to avoid the deep explosive pass play and you got to check the ball down and you got to run a lot of plays in your drives. And that's why, like I even think back to the chiefs game in 2021 where that giants 2021 defense was not very good. They had very similar personnel problems of, of this year's defense, but they just, the, the scheme dictated how an offense was going to run a game by they're not going to get explosives. Now, Wink Martindale also dictates the terms of the game by being aggressive and, and, and showing different looks and having a high blitz rate, and quarterbacks are forced to get rid of the ball very quickly against Wink Martindale. So I, I don't know, Bobby. So this so maybe I'll extend Tim Coffey's question of, do you feel like running such a heavy man coverage scheme, especially when you have some corners and young corners that are struggling a little bit, do you feel like that puts the defense, our defense, at a disadvantage versus a more zone-heavy defense, which is maybe a little bit more predicated on stopping the explosive pass play and just keeping everything in front of you? Yeah, but like I don't think they're great at stopping the explosive when they're in zone because they have these young corners who don't aren't really great in some of those zone coverages. And again, the pass rush is not being married to it. Um, so, right, and like there's even like they did like that – that one play where they ran like a great coverage, right? Zone coverage, <laughs> totally threw Dak off. And like, and then Dak goes to run, and then uh Simmons is coming free and to go to stop the run and just throws the ball up, and then CD Lamb comes down with it, right? It's like, damn, like, what do you do? And and Dak had a phenomenal like that was the best Dak game versus the Giants, I think, ever outside of the interception. Um, but the interception was really great gamesmanship from Wink Martindale, too. Um where and it's I actually man, thought it's man that that turned into zone, right? Well, they pre-snap they the Cowboys went into motion right and got a man ID, and like okay, we're in man coverage. Giants either changed their call or we're disguising it, and uh, Dak goes to throw the little stick first inside leverage from McLeod, and Flott is watching it and looking like he's going to carry man, and then cuts it cuts it off and and has the interception. So there's good gamesmanship in there, but yeah, it's. I kind of sometimes I hate, especially with the personnel the Giants have had the last four years. And this happened with Patrick Graham too, when people are like, oh, he's only good versus bad QBs. The good QBs have taken part. And then it's like, That's well, you have true. the Chiefs. Well, really? it's partly true. Like the good QBs had really good games versus him. But then you had games like, you know, Russell Wilson, the Chiefs. But then Wink has games versus 
Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson and and Josh Allen, right? But yeah, the the good offenses are going to do better than the bad offenses. No shit. Um, you know, unless you are one of the five best defenses in the NFL, that's just the way football goes in the NFL. Um, and they don't have the personnel to be one of the five best off defenses in the NFL. Right. I also think it comes down to really good old lines too, where I know like the Ravens is the one exception to this. Still allow, I mean, they allow, they allowed 20 points against the Ravens and the Ravens did have an opportunity to make 27 at the end of the game, but they didn't. So, Hey, good on the giants. I'm not holding that against them, but the really good old lines. Think of like the really, really good old lines that the giants have played the last two years, the lions last year, the Eagles, the Cowboys have a good O-line. I don't want to call them a really good O-line, but Tyrone Smith is emerging. Uh, Tyrone's, Tyler Smith is emerging. Tyrone Smith is still really good. Um, Zach Martin is you know border, is a borderline Hall of Famer. Um, the Eagles, obviously. Not borderline. He's a Hall of Famer. Anyways. The Eagles are have the best O-line in the league. They dominate us. The 49ers this year, they, they have a good O-line. They dominated us. So um, I also think it comes down to that, too, where we just – you know, we have Dexter Lawrence, we had Leonard Williams, and even Leonard Williams wasn't the same as he was like back in like 2020 and you know, um and earlier in his career. But you have Dexter Lawrence and you have edge rushers that we haven't taken the same step up that we've wanted them to. Yeah, and you have per- you just have yeah, you have personnel deficiencies, right? Um, and I think they've despite the fact that the numbers may not show it, I think they've gotten so much better in their run defense with the addition of Okereke uh, and then McFadden playing next to Okere and be- behind Dex. And they had like now you see when Dex goes out and they put DJ Davidson in, you can see the difference. But like the Cowboys got their rushing yards in the fourth quarter, and really their three good runs they had in the first three quarters was the end around to CeeDee Lamb, which was like great offense, and the um the fake fullback dive, halfback toss, where Jihad Ward just can't make a tackle because he's unathletic. And then DJ Davidson in the game, Tony Pollard gets a 15-yard run. Outside of that, they actually did a fairly deep, good job stopping the run. Um, right where last year they were got awful even with Dexter Leo on the field. So they um there's there's been improvements. Uh, but yeah, they're out of personnel. I mean, they they had Trey Hawkins. Nick McLeod and, and Darnay Holmes playing corner for them for like the majority of that game. I agree. I'm trying to see where they are run EPA per play allowed over the last month or so. Eh, they're about average. They're, they've they've been about average the whole the whole year, which is much which, better than last year. They're the worst. Worst. So good for them. Offense has been so bad in the NFL over the last month. It's kind of crazy. I love it. I love it. Defense wins championships. That's what they say. Uh, Bobby Skinner, ready for the next question. Dennis Celery at Yappy Yappo 99. Talker Giants needs to understand why not reading an ad after a game like this is not the right road to go down, Bobby Skinner. There's That's it. Oh, uh, there's another part of this question. I didn't think it made sense. If they don't, someone on the team needs to make sure they understand franchise committed big money to them, and they've been. That's yeah, it's it. The, and it's the Arch been. Stapleton Dexter Lawrence tweet. And they've been. Can you believe we're this deep into the NFL season? Well, Giants fans are like, man, this. I wish it was a little deeper. We got to make every second count, though, people. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game day. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big. Bucks, baby. I love the big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting five on any matchup. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code WORLD. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code WORLD. The crown is yours. Gambling Park, 100 Gambler in New York, call 877 NY or text NY. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for calling again. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Blue Hill Casino Resort, Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire in 168 hours after issue. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. You'll be glad you did. Next question. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Was just ah, watching. Shiznit. Oh no, what you do? I close out a tap, but we're back. Oh, we're back. 
I was just watching a, a Talking Jake video of uh, him talking about how Russell Wilson may be back in his Bronx. Look at that. Uh, Kaharski's Donuts at Kaharski's Donuts. Is that an ad? You've said the beat writers are running out of things to write about, and the Dex versus Art Stapleton thing was good evidence of that affecting the players too. How should both the players and the media navigate inevitable tension and frustration that comes from this much losing? Can I... I want to comment on this first, and then you can go on your spiel. I, I would just say to to be honest. Just just be honest. Don't search for because if you search for things to write about, you're gonna find you're gonna find most likely it's negative because that's what's gonna catch everybody's attention. It's gonna be nothing that's positive. I would just say to to be honest in in what you do. That's it. Yeah, and I kind of feel bad for Art, right? Because I, I disagreed with Art, but people would just go way overboard. Um, and again, I disagreed with what he was saying, but I, I do feel a little bad for him because people get way too personal. Um, so this is the thing, though. And I actually don't, I actually think Art is like the least of these people. I think Art's like the one who won't do this. Art is honest. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying, I'm saying like reporters. Just get ready for this. Are one hundred percent going to try and create drama, right, and drag out any little thing out? Because, like they've said, there is seven games left, and it'd be one thing if there's two, three games left. But again, Joe Shane and Brian Daybler are not being fired, right? But that's the best thing to write about when a team is like this about firing people. That's what gets people talking. And I put out a I put out polls on our Twitter on Monday because I wanted. I'm really to see. glad you did. How many votes did we get? you know, like 4,000 or something like that, right? Obviously not the total representation of the fan base, but you also get the people who are the most, like, die hard because they're just online reading everything on Twitter. Joe no, Shane that's, had a... That's not, that's not true. Um, The Brian Dable poll got 10.8 thousand. Oh, I didn't know it got that much. And the Joe Shane poll got two, got 10.3 thousand. So that oh. that is not that is four thousand is very much not true. Oh, I I thought wow, I'm shocked by that. Usually the polls don't get that many. So Joe Shane had like a ninety three percent. He's the right GM for the team. Which if there was anyone who I thought like I I would say Brian Dable should have a higher approval rating. But Brian Dable is the face of the losing right now, so I understand why. Yes. And then Brian Dable had ninety percent. Like not just like should he be fired or not, right? Because you could think that he shouldn't be fired, but still think, oh, I don't know if he's the right guy for the head coach, and that's why I worded like that. He got ninety percent. They are not firing him, right? But they are going to look for every reason to find that, right? Like that's what that's what it's going to be. So if you're a player, be careful, right? Because if you give up any little thing, they're going to go at it. And so it, it listen, if someone does something like McKinney again or something real. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it, right? We're gonna we're gonna talk about it, even if we you know agree with the player or not. We're gonna talk about it, but you're gonna get stuff like so. Slayton had like the little tantrum on the sideline, really not a big deal, and like Leonard has the video, like I've never seen him like this, and I quote tweeted, it. I was like, wow, he's livid. It's like he's being very calm in this. I obviously got mad on the on the sideline, so there's gonna be just figure out how to maneuver that type of stuff. If you're a player from our mindset, it's just to have a little more fun with it um, and just realize the next seven weeks aren't going to be fun. Um, but just don't say like for my mindset is like, hey, could we look at every little thing and draw something out of it to get more views and downloads over the next seven weeks? Absolutely. But I'd rather just eat shit and not have the greatest numbers for the next seven weeks and then be ready for the offseason without having to backtrack something that we went over the overboard on yeah for sure for sure um and this is and this is inevitably when things are this bad this is going to be the unnamed source season as well i have an unnamed source i have a source that says this i have a source that says that use your brain use your brain um ralph um is there the giant or are really are, are we really sure at, at this point that Daniel Jones, uh, Giants feel confident that Daniel Jones could still be their franchise quarterback. He said in that in that article too that they're still like planning and likely to draft a quarterback. But it's like, yeah, of course you talk. There's of course there is some old heads in the like someone mess. I didn't tweet about that. Was someone like, what do you think there's any real? I was like, no, I think this is this is one person in the building who's been there for a long time has a relationship with Ralph and like. This could have been Paul Dottino for all we know. Bumped into Chris Mayer at at the racetrack and got and got his opinion uh, in the Meadowlands. 
yeah so it's like that type of stuff i don't get into um use your brain just you use your brain and and shift through the honest and the dishonest stuff that's that's it and and maybe maybe honest isn't the isn't the right word maybe good intentions ill-intentioned good intentioned i mean you you use your brain about really you can like, be ill-intentioned too as long as you're like if it's like it makes sense and it's reliable right like right. that's why i've always said pat learner is a necessary evil because at least he's gonna like you know like who broke that they were shopping tony right and everyone kind of went down his throat and it was like no they actually were shopping Kadarius tony yeah um but yeah obviously you know be use your brain on it so use your brain all right next question bud bud power at bud power two how concerned are you about deontay banks's recent struggles a little not overly right because this is kind of what we expected but that first six games covering wide receiver two and left some games early too like he's his numbers were good. Like the first six games, I put I actually put this as a tweet too. He had 155 cover snaps, uh, gave up 13 catches on 25 attempts. That's 52%. 120 yards, which is great. 4.8 yards per attempt, 9.2 yards per catch. Those are great numbers. I don't care if you're covering wide receiver two or or, or covering a wide receiver one or not. I, that's those are great numbers to be covering wide receiver two. Now, is there more nuance and film to it? Yeah, but he looked comfortable. He wasn't like getting cooked or anything. Now, the last four games where he's gotten wide receiver one duty, Terry McLaurin, Garrett Wilson, Devonta Adams, CeeDee Lamb, some of the best receivers, had basically this, you know, four less coverage snaps, giving up 25 catches on 41 targets, 61%, 393 yards. And again, he missed the entire second half of the Cowboys game. Over, uh, you know, double the yards per attempt and six, six and a half more yards per catch. So his numbers are really bad the last four games. So it's just, hey, He's not ready for wide receiver one duty. So if Adore Jackson comes back, he should take that on. But the part that worries me isn't just the isn't the numbers. It's what my our worries were about him a lot, you know, coming out of college and then began the training camp. And we thought that kind of went away, is that he's getting cooked at the release, right? All three of those all four of those guys have cooked him at the release. And he's he's getting beat bad, and, and probably his worst rep, he didn't even give up a catch. Right, it was the Brandon Cooks touchdown on the corner route. He got beat horribly on that, like just disgustingly bad. So that was my original worry, but also like he's got all the traits in the world. So you like he's he's a rookie who's going to have struggles. So now saying he's a rookie and that he's going to learn doesn't always make that true. But he's got all the ability in the world. He's looked really good when facing wide receiver twos. He's just not ready to be getting wide receiver one duty right now. And then also when you get guys like Trey Tucker, don't let them beat you and be better pre-snap. There is some, there is a little bit of laziness pre-snap that I pointed out in some film reviews that it's got to get figured out. But the main thing is just better to release with your footwork and timing up your jams. I also want to see him make plays on the football too, because even if you get beat at the release a little bit, he's bad at the catch point, bad, bad at the catch point. That's, and you, you have the recovery speed to, still be in stride with guys but when you don't make a play on the football then everything is highlighted it's it's the bad release at at least if you make a play on a football if you force an incompletion then we're talking then you know we're not we're we're only talking about the bad release and getting beat at the line as like you know a, a side note and an asterisk not the whole point and not the whole thing so that's another thing for Deontay Banks too where we 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 talk so much pre-draft about the release the release the release Use that recovery speed. I, you know, he 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 doesn't have like the longest arms in the world, but he also doesn't have the shortest arms in the world. Use your athleticism to try and recover and make some plays on some footballs here. That's where the release is definitely the most worrisome part. But I can see him growing and getting better at that. The catch point is where I have more long term worries about him because that sometimes it's just kind of like a feel and who you are type of thing. That's where I have is like finishing those types of plays and you're facing NFL wide receivers. Like you can't just be sticking coverage. You got to finish plays. So that's where I have probably more long-term worries is at the catch point where the release is definitely the worst part of his game right now. This is going to be a big off season for the giants for how I think that they view their corners. They haven't really brought in a lot of corners that, we think that they're good in the catch point. Like a, a lot of them that they have brought in, we're like, how, we don't think they're very good at the catch point. Like they haven't been known to be 
ball hawks in, in school. Troy Hawkins wasn't. Deontay Banks wasn't. I don't. Cordell Flott didn't really play a lot, but I don't necessarily think and know that that like we were talking about Cordell Flott from LSU was like, yeah, this guy's a ball hawk. He's gonna find the football. So this will be an interesting offseason because I kind of. Banks, I don't know. Flott is the best at it on the team, even more so than Adore, who doesn't get intercepted. Like Flott goes and makes plays on the ball. Um, Flott, Flott is the best at it out of all of them. Like, I I don't know, man. Like, I, I kind of want my man coverage corners to have good ball skills and to make a play on a football and force incompletions. Because even if, even if you're beat, I like the idea of having corners that could still win a play even though they lost the rep. If they win the play, but even though you lose the rep. And I think that's very possible. You see a lot of corners do that. And it just doesn't seem like our corners do that. Like if they if they lose the rep, most likely they're going to lose the play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's that's definitely a worry with Banks. All right, next question. Next question is coming from Michael at AP Skirbo. If you don't read an ad, you'll be stung by a bee. Well, I don't want to be stung by a bee, and I also don't want my dog to be stung by a bee because we're going to be talking about the farmer's dog. And even if my dog, Mikey, was stung by a bee, you want to know what I would give him to make him feel better? I would give him some fresh farmer's dog because screw that kibble. The switch to kibble to fresh food can seem like magic, but the farmer's dog doesn't use any sorcery or secret ingredients to make their fresh food just Science, baby. The Farmer's Dog, they make and deliver fresh, healthy dog food. It's developed by vets, nutritionally balanced, and made from real, healthy ingredients to human food safety standards. Doesn't matter if your dog is young or old. It's always the right time to begin investing in their health, helping you live more happy, healthy, and full years together. My dog loves the Farmer's Dog. It's his favorite sponsor. Get 50% off your first Box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash johnboy. Plus, you get free shipping. That's thefarmersdog.com slash johnboy for 50% off. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Mikey will be glad he did as well. Next question is coming from Christopher Griffith at cgriff247. This is a big Bobby Skinner question. What's your early assessment on John Michael Schmitz? I noticed that his PFF grade is pretty low, and he hasn't graded out well on other advanced metric sites, but the all 22 people breakdown says otherwise. So JMS put some high-quality reps on film, right? But he's just having a few bad pass pro plays per game. And at center, you can't really have that to be a good center in the NFL, right? Now, we're, we're like Banks, we're talking about him on a rookie scale. Um, and the good thing is that like half of his pressures and sacks allowed have come against Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons, which you're just not gonna. Well, you're gonna face that a lot with the Giants, but you're not facing that type of pass rush threat in the NFL at center very often. But he just like there's good technique, good hand usage, but just with strong upper body defensive tackles that like to you know can throw you around a little bit because he's aggressive and 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 not and not passive with his pass protection it can get him in trouble he just needs like to slide his feet a little better get a little more upper body strength and uh, i i have i have confidence in jms like there's there's some really good film that he puts like there's some really good film that he puts i mean the fourth down run beautiful beautiful like best center rep we've seen in a few years um but yeah he's got a there's there's a lot of growth that needs to happen in his game on a consistent basis yeah, how about him in the run game? You talked about that fourth down play, but where where's cuz I I thought that he would be good. more advanced in the run game than than the pass game right away. Feels feels looks good. Looks good. He's getting movement. Now he gets he can be a little too herky-jerky getting to the second level, which again was on the draft prof, profile for us. Um but he's he gets movement, he works leverage, he knows how to re, you know, redistribute uh redistribute his weight. Uh he knows how to work leverage when guys redistribute their weight and 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 get on him, so um, there's just like the Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence reps don't really worry me. What worries me is like he did a pretty damn good job on Mozzie Smith for the most part. There's one there play was... where he put Mozzie Smith on his ass. Yeah, yeah. But there's also a play where Mozzie Smith, like he gets good technique, and Mozzie Smith just is able to get the top of his pads and and dump them. Um, so it's just you know sliding your feet better with that. So there's I got I got a I got a good amount of faith in JMS. Um, but he does need to clean up his game a good bit because he's giving up a few bad pass protection reps in essentially every game but the Cardinals. 
Got a little heavier. Put some more meat on the bones. He could do it. Muscles. 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 20, 20, he's already 24. He's, yeah, he's already 24 heading into 25. I guess that's like the one. It's not a concern. I mean, I, I, you can get stronger, but it, it's not like we're talking about a 20-year-old 20 turning 21. You know, have that's a kid. All the, get some dad strength. Yeah, you know what? Have a kid. Have a kid. Get some dad strength. Become Jason Kelsey's sexiest man of the year. Why not? Um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, if you had a right, if centers right now, like John or John Michael Schmitz right now, not projection. Um, should I even include Billy Price on this list? I'm trying to think of centers that centers that we've had. Who was the center in 2019? Halapio. Hala- all right, John Halapio, our friend. Um, John Feliciano, Nick Gates, John Michael Schmitz. Make a power rankings of those centers that you would ra- that you want to have one through four, and where does John Michael Schmitz rank on that? Gates twenty twenty is better than what JMS is right now. Um, I'd say him and Feliciano are fairly close, even though Feliciano had more bad games in the beginning. Um, and then yeah, better than Jalapio, and that's the other thing. JMS, the mental part of it is perfect, right? He he is. So good with the mental part of the game, too. Stunt pickups, blitz pickups, everything. So that's really good, too, which is a huge part of playing center. So 2020 Gates. Now, this year's version of Gates, JMS is better. Um, or maybe we just saw Gates a lot versus Dex. But, um, yeah. So 2020 Gates gets forgotten that he was he was their most consistent offensive line. I mean, I voted him most outstanding player of offense that year, which kind of speaks to how shitty they were. Because huh. um, I wasn't on the – I wasn't a Galmanite and – no receivers and QB and yeah. Um, Thomas was the best by the end. Uh, and Zeitler had an up and down that year, but yeah. So I would go Gates 2020 JMS, but, but again, that was JMS is a rookie. So, so you're saying that the fact that John Michael Schmitz has played center for a very long time matters and it's helped him in the NFL actually recognize things and having experience at center is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You can't just snap your fingers and turn a guard into a center, and the mental game can be fine. Wow. Mm-hmm. Never, never would have thought that. Billy Price, the worst out of all five of those guys. Yeah, I, I didn't even put him on the list because I figured that would be disrespectful to the rest of those four fine centers. Um, love you, love you, John Halapio. Uh, ben Butler at Ben Butler seven. You asked for Dexter Lawrence to show that he was an all-pro against an all-pro center. How did he do? Tyler Biotis is not an all-pro center. Is the impact of losing Leonard Williams restricting him from being able to perform? Tyler Biotis is not, but they have Zach Martin and Tyler Smith on at the guard positions. Dex looked great. Like, he was the run defense in this game, right? Because they did a little some more light boxes. So the run defense was amazing, right? But in the past game, he got some good pass rush reps, and he also got doubled and triple team, like, Honestly, quite a bit. And this is a game where Wink actually, like, sometimes only rushed three. Um, and he was just getting a ton of attention. And even sometimes, those he was beating that. So, yeah, Dex, Dex looked awesome. Obviously, I want to see him play really well versus Jason Kelsey to, like, hit, you know, the, the final boss. Um, but, yeah, like, Wink didn't send a lot of pressure to create one-on-ones. And they had zero pass rush outside of him in this game. So, yeah, I came away from this game. Dexter Lawrence looked good. I mean, he was the, he was the best player on defense for them on Sunday. If Dexter Lawrence was playing on a better Giants team right now, I think there's legitimate talk of Dexter Lawrence deserves to be NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He'd be top of it, right? Like I, I don't have like the guys in front of me. I think Miles Garrett is, is Miles Garrett the favorite right now. Miles My, Garrett's. I mean, it's Miles Garrett versus T.J. Watt. Um, inevitably, the part of it. Matter. I, I think I think Max Crosby should be getting more love as well. Max Crosby's having an insane year. Micah Parsons, obviously, part of it. But, I mean, d- dude, Dex is uh, – sacks do matter, and that's going to be the guy that probably ultimately wins it. But, you know, Dex is right there in all all of the advanced categories, man. All the advanced categories. And looking at it, like, he had 15 pressures against the Jets, which what's, – what's 15 divided by 46? Quick math, 15 divided by 46. That's 32% of his pressures are coming from one game. But still, like, I mean – Dexter Lawrence has one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six games out of the ten of four or more pressures. 
Um, he has 11 QB hits. That's already more more than he had in 2021, 2020, and 2019. Um, I mean, the, the dude's good. And what what he's doing and how he's impacting the game from the nose tackle position while getting double team, triple team, like the rest of the league is recognizing it. But ultimately, he won't. I, I, I'm confident he'll be an all pro, but he, I, he won't. He may get even like one or two, depending on how he finishes the year. He may get one or two like defensive like defensive MVP, defensive gets, player of the year, and that's crazy. If he gets eight or nine sacks, definitely. But it's, it's and sacks come in num- in bunches, so. But guess what? Definitely can happen. We play the Commanders this weekend, and he's very good against the Commanders. Who are we, the Commanders? <laughs> Next question. So, I'm excited. I, I'm I'm glad to see. You know, it's, it hasn't been such a long sample site since Leonard Williams has been traded, but Dex is still really good, man. If anything, it's more impressive. It's more impressive because he's just there's there's Dex who's you know how how heavy is he? He's three hundred and forty two pounds, and there's you know seven hundred and fifty pounds, a thousand pounds of human beings in front of him, and he just fucking pushes them out of the way. It's crazy. Um, two questions left. Um, Alex Sanzo, if you're Dable, what do you do to to cl- to fix the clear frustration we're seeing from guys on the sideline? Do you address it with those guys specifically, or do you read them an ad? Well. I read them an ad because I tell them this is how you make money and everybody likes a little bit of money and you could save money with today's sponsor, SeatGeek. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There's 70,000 events more than that every single day on SeatGeek. And guess what? You want to know how you could save money? You could save money by going on SeatGeek and making sure that you're getting a good deal, looking for the green dots. If you look for the red dots, then you will not be saving money because SeatGeek lets you know this is a bad deal, and green means, hey, this is a good deal. You probably could be saving money. And if you want to save more money, we've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Click the link in the description to download the app. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Um, And the last question we have... It's coming from Sean at Scene Dud. Who has been our best player this season besides Dex? Andrew Thomas has been out and injured. Same with Saquon. So who would you guys say is the second best? Well, if we're kicking out Andrew Thomas and Saquon, who would you go? I I have an offensive and defensive player here. Um, You can talk about both, but who would be the one? Who would be the one? Well, the one would be Bobby Okereke. Agreed. I agree 100%. And again, he wasn't great the first few weeks of the season either, but he's really started to trust Dex, one. And he's having a lot more trust in Mike and McFadden and realizing, hey, McFadden's going to be there. Like, I can trust that he's going to be in the right spot. And yeah, I, I agree. Okay, okay, would be my answer. Who's your offensive one? Uh, Darren Waller. But he's missed just as many games as Saquon, essentially. But I think he's been the best player. On offense, I mean, who 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 else would it be? I think this is a tougher question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's Darren Waller. Yeah, obviously none of the <laughs> other backs, none of the receivers. I do think Slayton has had a pretty good year. He just hasn't had the quarterbacks to get him the ball no. really. Um, like Slayton on film has probably looked better than he ever has. But, I think he might know it too, and that's why he's a little frustrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, Waller, Waller's been better than Slayton. Yeah, for sure. And there's not much to say besides that, and that's the <laughs> that's the unfortunate thing. Marcus McKeithen. No, oh, see, that, my, that my rep, video went viral. I felt I thought that, that would stay out. in Giants land, and then the aggregator accounts picked it up, and I felt bad. It was like now Marcus McKeithen's going to get bullied on social media. I, I at least didn't put his name. I just put an NFL an NFL player did this. So I'm sorry, McKeithen. Um, Darren Waller is hosting his inaugural Darren Darren's Wall Ball with proceeds. Oh, I love Wall Ball. With proceeds benefiting the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut chapter of the Darren Waller Foundation, is its mission mission is to help youth avoid and overcome addiction to drugs yes. and alcohol. He looks great, great, great little. It's not a suit, but it's like a. I want to go play Wall Ball. Dude, have you Wall Ball is like low key maybe the funnest sport that's not a sport. Like pickleball, sorry, LPG. Wall ball is fun as fuck. Wall ball is very fun. 
Like literally, and you just all you need is a tennis ball and a wall. Like we used to do it at hotels. Like this, we go to hotels in like the Florida Keys as a family as kids. There'd be this nice pool, and we use all that and all that stuff. And we're sitting there just playing wall ball, wall ball. I love wall ball. And if you play the stingway where you ha- where you can throw it at the people, that's fun too. Because then you're just you're like flinching as you go for the wall. Um, Darren Wall stuff. looks great. Have you ever played sting pong? No. Where you play ping pong, and it's like every five points you lose, you you have your shirt off, you turn around, the other person nice. gets to take the ping the paddle, and just hit it as hard as they can at Ooh. your back. And they don't hit every time, but it does leave marks on you. Oh, I bet. That hurt. That would so hurt. Like games that hurt. <laughs> we used to other... do kick wars where we'd literally just put our hands behind our back and kick each other. Nope, never played That's that. That's not really a game. Yeah. Sounds like uh, just literally kicking the shit out of each other. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> but I, like I said before, I have strong like feet and legs, so I don't have as much pain there, so I would win them. And I have big feet and strong legs. Um. Yeah, that's. I guess that's kind of the only painful games that we played. Anyways, um, anyways, that's an episode. We'll be back with a freaking amazing preview pod on Friday, um, and maybe some drama, some drama, some changes in some of our uh, fantasy picks or spread picks. I don't know. There is some drama, so we'll see you then. We appreciate you guys. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs> <laughs>